From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Welcome to Stand Up For The Truth for Friday, June 16th. Our guest is author and teacher Don Stewart who brings with him a wealth of knowledge and understanding about the scripture and specifically Bible prophecy. It's a big subject. I mean, if you're new to the subject of prophecy, keep studying. Um, Let me encourage you because uh, it it is something that is so edifying and so comforting and gives us a lot of hope in these times. So before I introduce Don, I want to read a scripture passage. And then we'll acknowledge the Lord today together and invite him into our conversation. Second Peter 3, 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. What a wonderful promise. Lord, you are worthy of our praise in all things, at all times, and all places. Help us to guard our hearts and minds uh, when things come against us that, that threaten our peace. Thank you for your great and precious promises that you will return and that we will be where you are. Lord, this is just too marvelous. I pray for our guest today. I pray for Don. I pray for his ministry, his family, his health, uh, all these things, Lord, that, that we deal with day to day on this earth, but, but you have in hand. And so we lift him up to you, ask for protection, uh, wisdom, encouragement, uh, whatever is needed, Lord, you know this. And so we just thank you ahead of time for your provision and all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Don Stewart, an internationally recognized apologist and speaker, graduated from Talbot Theological Seminary and the International Seminar in Theology and Law in Strasbourg, France, as well as from Biola University. Don is a best-selling and award-winning author, co-author of over 70 books. His various writings have been translated into over 30 different languages and have sold over a million copies. Don has traveled around the world proclaiming and staunchly defending the Christian faith. Don, uh, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Well, thanks for having me again. Nice to be here. Yes, it's great to have you. Your website is educatingourworld.com, and it really is a reflection of your love for learning and passing along what you learn. It's a great resource of books, audios, uh, videos, (laughs) books, videos, I'll start over, books, videos, articles, a lot of them are downloadable Again, educatingourworld.com. What are some of the things people find there? I know I gave them a hint, but what are some of the things that you really feel will be most valuable uh, to students of the Word? Well, uh, we do three things here. We have the text of 65 different books that I've written. Hmm. If you would print them all out like a particular five-and-a-half-inch paperback book, a particular size, you bet about 15,000 pages of material, 65 books over 11 different topics, God, the Bible, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the afterlife, Bible prophecy, everything's free. So you download them for mm-hmm. free, number one, the PDF books. The thing we're doing right now, we're really excited about, we have 53 videos now on the site that are uh, 20 minutes in length, 
and uh, you can watch them. Uh, we have playlists under 12 different topics now. I'm starting to basically video tape all, video on my books, and then we'll have the audio files, too. We're in the process of redoing our website, and it's almost done, and we're putting an app together now, too, and so that hopefully in the next few weeks that'll all be ready. But everything's free. We want people to use it and shamelessly promote it. Because three things it does. tells people what Christians believe, why we believe, and how you should live the Christian life. Mm. That's, that's what our ministry is all about. Well, looking forward to that app. That'll be wonderful. I mean, I, I go to the website and I see all the articles and I just think a lot of work went into this. And I uh-huh. really appreciate yeah. that. And uh, so you, you just, you've been busy, haven't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep 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 me off the streets because it's <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of my my ministry's always been one of learning and studying and mm-hmm. educating, educating mm-hmm. our world again with biblical Christianity. And uh, I mean, I've been doing it for fifty odd years, and I love it. And uh, as long mm-hmm. as I'm still here, I'm going to keep doing it. That's awesome because you know when when the way churches are, they're not teaching the word biblical Christianity. That snap snapshot, a lot of people don't even know what it looks like. So that's wonderful. Um, let's just get right to the subject today. We're going to look at the case for the rapture, and I think um, your website has the most thorough treatment of the subject that I've ever seen. Uh, you have a download, downloadable PDF entitled "An Indu- Introduction to the Blessed Hope of the Church," and it's a hundred and twenty-eight page work that answers questions like, what is the rapture? Why should we study it? What are the views and the timing? So you can study this in depth any time. And I highly recommend that because it is an important doctrine. It gives us a proper sense of urgency to get the gospel out while we still have time. You also have a book on Amazon, The Rapture, The Blessed Hope of the Church. So today, for the sake of the time frame that we have on the podcast, uh, you're going to be walking us through specific truths that we learn about it from Scripture. And you open with, you say there are three passages in particular that teach the doctrine of the rapture, and these three passages teach 14 truths that will equip us to share that blessed hope. So, Don, what happens when we put those passages together Compare what they teach. What can we learn? Let's just dive in. Okay, I agree, Barry. Well, first and foremost, we probably ought to define our terms. Mm-hmm. The, the, the rapture of the church, it, 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 the book, the word rapture is in the Bible. People always say it's not. First Thessalonians 4.17, it's in my Latin Bible, okay? It means to, catch, to basically to catch up. It says there'll come a time when the living believers will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The verb meaning harpazo in Greek, rapari in Latin, means to be caught up. As believers, living believers in Jesus Christ are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Previous to that, those who have died, the died dead in Christ, will receive their glorified, resurrected bodies. The living believers will then be changed as they go up to meet the Lord in the air, so the body of Christ is complete. So the rapture of the church is an event in the future at a time only known to God, nobody else knows, when the living believers are here one second, and in a blink of an eye, they'll caught up and meet the Lord in the air, and they'll forever be with the Lord. So that, in a nutshell, it's not the same as the second coming. Mm -hmm. There's a distinction between the two. And so uh, we need to understand that. Now, what we did, like you mentioned, Specific truths we learned from the rapture of the church. And this first one, Mary, you'll really like. <laughs> the Lord does not want us to be uninformed about mm, these truths, does yes. he? In fact, First uh, Thessalonians 4.13 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. Now, some translations say ignorant, but uninformed is a lot better word, I guess. Mm-hmm. About those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So this is the first thing we want to we want to emphasize. God doesn't want us to be uninformed. He wants us to know about this doctrine. He and this is this is the lead in 
to what Paul is saying about it, First Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, one of the passages. And so what does it assume? It assumes they were ignorant, but it assumes we don't have to be ignorant. And so one of the things I always like to get across to audiences when I speak on this subject, you may not know much about it, but you can know. It's, it's knowable, I guess. And you do a great job on your program talking about, you know, issues like this. And so in the immediate context, what we have here is Paul telling these believers here. This is, and what's interesting too, First Thessalonians may have been the first a book of the New Testament chronologically that was composed. It's, hmm. it's Matthew, James, and uh, uh, Galatians may have been written before that. But anyway, it's very early, about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. He'd already taught them some things on Bible prophecy. But first and foremost, Mary, he says, don't be uninformed. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they were young believers. I mean, some people say, you know, we can't process any of that until we, you know, get a little more meat on our bones. But I'm going to, is this true that they, they were probably quite young believers but when they first heard this? Yeah, because he'd been there only a month when he visited the church. And it seems when we read Second Thessalonians, he already had taught on the subject. And so, yeah, they're new believers, new believers in Christ in the city of Thessalonica. And he's writing to them. And he, he gets this passage here about the, you know, those, basically he's saying those who have died, those believers who have died are not in Christ, are not a disadvantage to those who are alive. And I get, he seems to have gotten some questions about mm. that. That seems to be the motivation of why he wrote that. And what's interesting in Second Thessalonians, he, he tells him, don't you remember I told you these things when I was with you? Mm. So, I mean, it, this is, to me, this was mind-boggling when I, it, it first hit me. That, you know, last day's Bible prophecy was taught from the very beginning, because, mm-hmm. you know, from the time that uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, nobody knows. Nobody knows when he's returning. It's not for, in fact, he said in Acts chapter 1 to the disciples when they said, Lord, is it, you got to restore the kingdom at this time. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the mm-hmm. seasons. But then he did the famous verse, Acts 1, 8. But you'll see, receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And so we, can, I guess the, fir- the first point, we really want to hit hard, Mary. You can know. We can be informed. We should know. And God has given us enough, many things that we are able to know. Absolutely. And it's for all generations. You know, if they would have seen the, the valley of church history, you, when they're reading this, if they would have seen what we see, and all the years that have passed, and, and we are still here. You know, some days we go, I can't believe we're still here. But, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. for us to know, right? So, um, Correct. And also Paul emphasizes grief, uh, the grief over the loss of loved ones, um, that they should not yeah. grieve because there's always hope, right? Yeah, yeah. you don't grieve as those that have no mm-hmm, hope. Mm-hmm. Um, we have hope. You know, we when people, we lose the loved ones. If they're in Christ, they're better off. But we grieve for right. ourselves more than for them. But, yeah, yeah. that's what he said. Because it seems like they were grieving for them, mm-hmm. but he's trying to tell them, "Look, they're better off, and someday we're going to have this great reunion." Yeah, yeah, can't wait, can't wait. All right, the second one you have here, the second one you have listed, the truth that we can know, um, the truth of the rapture, and I like this one was given by the word of the Lord. What exactly does that mean? You know, this is this is an interesting question because he doesn't define it. He says it's given by the word of the Lord. We're not specifically told. There's, you know, usually three options that people say. First of all, some people actually, and I'm sure you've talked about this, find the rapture in Jesus' teaching in Matthew 24, 25, and the Olivet Discourse, mm-hmm. in particular, uh, Matthew 24, 37 to 41. You've got, you know, where there are two women grinding at the mill, mm-hmm. one taken, one left, two men in the field, one taken, one left. Some people see the rapture there. I don't. Um, there's another possibility that 
this when we talk about the word of the Lord, was a teaching of Jesus on the subject, but not recorded in the New Testament. Mm. Remember what John said, if every other thing, everything Jesus said was written down, the whole world couldn't contain the book. So some people think, well, maybe that's it. He yeah. talked about it, but what are recorded? Mm-hmm. I think the best answer is a direct revelation given to Paul. That's what we argue here, mm. that he is the one to reveal, because it's called a hysterion, which means a sacred secret, and something that hadn't been revealed before. So um, evidently, what, what the Lord, remember the night of his betrayal, he said, I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll inform you on in this. And the Apostle Paul and the other New Testament writers were, you know, given a chance to, and were, you know, to give an explanation of the meaning of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Because you can imagine, and when Jesus was there at the uh, Upper Room Discourse, he had a lot of things to tell him, but they couldn't handle it. They had no idea what was coming up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and of course, they didn't know what going to happen the next day or so they're certainly not going to know what's going to happen you know in the future so he uh, that was held by the apostle paul so it seems is direct revelation given by paul the word of the lord but like we mentioned whatever the case may be it's stressed as god's truth it's the word of the lord so we need Mm. to believe it Mm -hmm. absolutely and you talk here because i I have heard the differing uh thoughts on um, the rapture in the Olivet Discourse, and you talk here about um, the context of those who were taken away were taken away to judgment. That that, and in the right. same manner, you say those who are taken away when Christ returns are taken to judgment, and those who are left are going into the kingdom. So that's interesting. Right. I, I, right. I'm glad yeah. that you covered that because there, we don't really know, right? No, there's and there's good people who differ on this. This is one of these ones mm-hmm. where people go back and forth. Right. But the idea was, he says, as it was in the days of Noah. And this is a context of judgment. The people were taken away to judgment there. The people that were left were left, you know, to um, basically, you know, populate the earth, as it were. So it seems it's better in that context. The, the ones taken were taken to judgment. Mm-hmm. The ones that left were left to uh, enter the kingdom, and, and Noah's day left to enter the earth. So it seems to be, since they use this, that analogy, uh, whenever it talks about, it's interesting, the second coming and the rapture, the second coming is always judgment, always God coming to to judge the world. The rapture is always God blessing, you know, mm-hmm. giving blessings to the believers. So because of that, I think this is a, uh, a you know, it's a second coming verse, obviously. So the ones taken, the ones left, refer to, uh, you know, believers and unbelievers that are still there when the Lord returns okay. at the second coming. So it's not a rapture verse, although some people do argue it is. And uh, I just don't think, I think you can make a better argument for mm-hmm. being that. Second coming, and we do encourage people to study and and see what the Lord shows them. But this, uh, I, I like this part you were talking about earlier about the rapture is given by the word of the Lord, and Paul says this because I'm finding oftentimes people say, well, a it's not mentioned in the Bible, and b some some yeah. Scottish girl made it up. And I always tell people, no, Paul taught the rapture. I mean, can will we ever get rid of the Margaret Macdonald mythology? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and for those that don't know, this is a myth that uh, the, the modern rapture in the 19th century, John mm-hmm. Nelson Darby heard Margaret McDonald, some uh, white eyed woman prophesying something, and it came from that. <laughs> There's no basis whatsoever. No. What the no. point is, what we emphasize, one thing, in fact, I've, I've done four videos already, about an hour and 20 minutes on this book. I'm recording it and filming it right now. And one of the things we mentioned is, that uh, we have to be fair and explain correctly what these views are. But wherever we get the final answer, it has to come from the Scripture and the Scripture alone. And that's where we're going mm-hmm. to. The scripture, mm-hmm. What does it say, not does? What does someone say happen in church history or someone believe? And so the Margaret McDonald thing is just a, you know, the proverbial red herring here. It's not, yeah. uh, 
it's, it's irrelevant. It keeps coming back, though. And, you know, the truth is oh, she, yeah. she was about 15 years old, and she wasn't even saved. Yep. And if people would dig yep. a little more deeply, they wouldn't just parrot that. But I had to ask you because it just won't oh, sure. die. <laughs> no, no, I know. Some things won't die. But, right, you know, right, right. again, when we emphasize, but what does the Bible say? Right. That's what we always mm-hmm. come back. What does the Bible say? Right. If you're so just tuning what, oh, go ahead. I'm, Okay. Okay. I'm done. All right. If you're just tuning in, my name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Don Stewart about the truths of the rapture that can be found in Scripture, and it's very is a very equipping hour, and we hope you're getting a lot out of it. And we're going to move to your um, because you have 14 truths here. We're we're on number three. Jesus has promised to return for His own. So, can you detail us on that one? Yeah. Now, this is this is what's interesting here. The it's he's in the upper room, and he's he's talked about going away here and he's going to leave but then of course he introduces the coming of the holy spirit to comfort them to be there with them to guide them and lead them but he says he's talking about his, the father's house you know there's plenty of rooms and we're not so i would have told you it's john 14 2 and 3 i'm going to prepare a place for you and if i go i'll come back and receive you unto myself so here is an is the closest we get from jesus of talking about the rapture because he's coming for believers and taking them back to with him to the place where his God the Father is, and he's preparing a place right now. No, and though he said he was going to heaven, you know he's he's going to be leaving this world. Is what he told him that night. He's going to be preparing a place for them so they can join him. And at his return, uh, when he and when he comes back, he will take these believers to the Father's house. Now, this we believe is is referring to the catching up of believers, the rapture of the church, not the second coming. Because when he comes again, he just comes straight to the earth. He doesn't go back anywhere. Mm-hmm and sets up the kingdom on the earth. So it, it, it to me, it's very clear. It's a, a verse talking about when he catches up believers, takes them to be with him. So that, again, is what, so Jesus had, the bottom line is he promised to return for his mm-hmm. own. And, uh, and there'll be, a, again, a generation of living believers, and only God knows who it is and mm-hmm. when it is that he will return for. That is exciting. That that alone is really exciting, and and yeah. I have, you know I hear the teaching that the, the uh, wedding feast uh, takes mm-hmm. place during that seven year. Is that what happens while we are with him for that seven year period? Well, that's that's a good question. The timing of that's really interesting. Uh, seemingly, sometime we 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 are there. Uh, either that, and it continues on when he returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of those interesting mm-hmm. questions. The, mm-hmm. the uh, that there's, we've written on this, but, you know, the exact timing of that. But, yeah, we are going to, because we come back, remember this in, in Revelation 19, we've already had a comeback as, you know, white garments and that. So mm-hmm. you know, we've been, you know, not only saved, but been glorified in the glorified bodies and rewarded. And uh, some people think the feast is all during that period, waiting, you know, when we reach, when he we go to meet with him. And some will argue, well, it, it spills over to when he returns. I don't know if there's enough information on the mm-hmm. subject, but it's going to be a good time we're all going to have anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody will care when it ends. That's right. But, uh, but we're going to be with the Lord. You know, that's that's the great thing about this, Mary. But we have to realize God's got so many things in store for us. It just kind of blows our mind to even think about him. But yeah, he's going to he's going to bring the believers with him, and they're going to be forever with him. And that's mm-hmm. the key. Wherever he is, that's where we're going to be, and that's where we want to be. Mm, and it's joyful to think about such things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right. Num- the next, let's move to the next one. Uh, number four sure. of our, our scriptural truths about the rapture. This is a mystery or a sacred secret which is never before revealed. Mystery as in we'll never understand it, yeah. or mystery as in a new thing. 
It's, it's something new. The word mystery is used in two different ways in the New Testament, mostly this way, something that had not been previously revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's there, something hard to understand in, in a few contexts, but for the most part, uh, the word musterion, we get our English word mystery from that, is that something that had not been previously revealed, not difficult to comprehend, okay. but something now, this is new divine revelation. So that's like we said, when Jesus said, I got many more things to tell you, you can't bear them now. Well, the Holy Spirit led Paul to tell us this, and so we won't all sleep. I mean, sleep and death he's talking about, but be changed. And that is the sacred secret that was never before revealed. And so Paul basically says that. And so what we've done so far in the first four is basically give the background. And then once we move on from that, like you're going to see number five, now we begin to elaborate on the details. All right. Well, let's look. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I should say, that, so consequently, we shouldn't look for the rapture in the Old Testament or for that much of the teachings of Jesus. And mm-hmm. He's alluded to it, but here's where we really find the information. Okay. Oh, I love a good mystery, so hey, that's yep, awesome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, as you said, as you said, let's look at the details of the event itself. So let's transition here to number five. The Lord Great. himself will descend from heaven. Why don't Correct. you elaborate on that for us? Now, when we think about this, this this is First Thessalonians four sixteen says the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. First Thessalonians four sixteen. All right. Now this means it's a monumental event. This commences the event, but think about it, everybody. Jesus is going to leave heaven's glory. What has Jesus been doing since God the Son, Jesus? Since he ascended to heaven, he's sitting on the right hand of God the Father, and he's interceding for us as our great high priest. That is his position where he has been. To leave that position when he descends from heaven means something monumental is about to occur. And so that means um, we, he's got our attention, I guess. That's what it, it's saying. So basically, that it's the first detail we learn of the event. He leaves heaven's glory and, you know, our antenna ought to go up and say, wow, mm-hmm. he's leaving the the fact that he's our, you know, high priest now. He's the one that, you know, uh, basically is our advocate, advocates for us before God. So what's going to happen? So I imagine, you know, it's funny because First Thessalonians, Paul told, you know, um, was told when he wrote the letter to the Thessalonians to read this out loud. So can you imagine when this is being read out loud for the first time and they're hearing it, mm. the Lord himself would descend from heaven and go, whoa. Uh, he's coming from heaven. What's going on? And that that would really be an attention getter. Yes, and 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 we also read in the scripture that he doesn't know the time. Only the Father. I people have said, well, he probably knows the time now that he's ascended. Um, I you can't answer that. I'm pretty sure, but I, I just find that interesting. That oh, yeah, he does. He, well, he does know. Yeah, mm-hmm. the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Book of Revelation mm-hmm. says now that he's you know he has revealed all these things right. now. Now that he's sitting on the right hand of God the Father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's one of those fullness of time moments. You know, the first coming Correct. was when when the fullness of time. And this is another Correct. one of those major fullness of times mm-hmm. because the gen- the yep. fullness of the Gentiles has to come in. Yep. <clears throat> awesome. And, um, you know, it does. It is monumental. It is absolutely monumental. And the it earth, really the, is. the world and those who dwell on the earth are going to find out just how monumental. Let's Correct. try and get through Correct. the first seven in this half before we, okay, we take can do a break. That. We, can do it. we got seven minutes. Yep. All right. uh, shout okay. uh, number six. There will be a shout or a loud command from Jesus with the voice of the archangel. So there's a few things going on here. Uh, so tell us about that. 
Yeah, okay. First of all, it says he's going to leave heaven with a shout or a loud command. Now, what's interesting, there are two instances during Jesus' earthly ministry where it's recorded his shouting had an effect on the dead. Remember at the tomb of Lazarus, right. John eleven forty three, he yelled out, Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus came out. And then his last words on the cross, uh, he, when he, he said, you know, he, he gave up the spirit, it says he cried with a loud voice, Matthew twenty seven fifty. And at that time, there was a real interesting, uh, it's a whole other subject situation, where some people who had previously died, it seems like a local instance there, who came out of their tombs and were raised to life. So what's fascinating about this, first and foremost, Mary, you've got uh, shouting with a loud voice is something that's happened before when people were raised to life. Now, there's a distinction here we mentioned, and uh, this is when Lazarus was raised to life, when these people were raised to life, the widow of Nain's son was raised to life, others in Scripture. It's not the resurrection. It's not the resurrection. It's reanimation or resuscitation. Mm. Why do we say that? Because these poor people had to go over and die all again. And so <laughs> they died a second time. You know? Yeah. You know, uh, and so it, it wasn't ra- what resurrection is is raised in a new body, newness of life, and like the body that Jesus has. So that's the distinction. Now, what's interesting here, too, is it says his voice will be like like that of an archangel. He's not an archangel. It'll be a powerful voice when he makes the shout. But here's the thing we need to understand. As to who will hear the shout, we are not told. Uh, will all the people on the earth hear it, or will it only be those taken up to meet the Lord? Scripture doesn't tell us. Some people argue, well, this has got to be the second coming. can't be the rapture because everyone on earth hears a shout. No, we don't know that. It doesn't tell us that. What it tells us is there's a loud, she leaves with a loud shout. Who hears it? Is it the, is the angels in heaven? Is it the believers, just the believers on earth? We are not told. And if we're not mm-hmm. told, we just don't know the answer. Right, right. We can't make it up. We just have to wait and nope. see. Yeah, that's nope. a great point. Uh, and then number seven, we have uh, three minutes here. The trumpet sure. of God shall sound. So uh, yep. the Lord will descend from heaven. Now, he's in the cloud. He comes in the clouds, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. He comes down from heaven. With, and with not only the loud command, the voice of the archangel, but here you got the trumpet call. Now, of course, it's interesting when we look at Scripture, trumpets are always used to signify important occasions. Mm-hmm. Remember the first time I went to a Christian retreat, someone brought their trumpet at 5.15 in the morning. They played Reveille, which we weren't too thrilled about, wow. but it, it, it let us know that the morning had just come, right? Mm-hmm. So the trumpet blast is appropriate here because he's leaving heaven, he's descending, and he's going to bring back the believers, the, the living and the dead, the dead in Christ rise first and the believers. Now, just like the shout that the Lord gave when he leaves heaven, who will actually hear this trumpet blast? We are not told. Uh, I've got all, I've heard all these people give answers, but <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just mere speculation. We don't know. But the point is, uh, somebody, somewhere, whether it be the people in heaven, whether it be the, those on earth who are coming up to meet the Lord, they hear the trumpet. We don't, we don't, we're not told that everybody hears it, in other words, because mm-hmm. people assume, well, everybody hears the trumpet blast. Everybody hears the loud cry of command. We don't know that. We do not, we are not told that specifically. And if we're not told, we must keep silent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some people, I've heard uh, those who hold more to a post-trib view talk about the trumpets in Revelation. They say that's the last mm-hmm. trump. Um, yep. But those are trumpets blown by angels, correct? <laughs> well, not only that. Uh, what Paul says, the last trump in first, yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah. Also, what he says at the last trump in First Corinthians 15, 
he's not referring to the trumpets of Revelation because First Corinthians 15 was written in AD 56. The book of Revelation wasn't written about 40 years later. Oh. So he's certainly not referring to the trumpets in Revelation because Revelation hadn't been written yet. There you John go. hadn't had this re- revealed to him. Yeah. Well, chronology is important. I also found myself in Numbers 10 uh, where it talks about the trumpets that are blown to assemble a congregation. And yes. That's interesting because there's a series of trumpets, uh, and they mean different mm-hmm. things, right? And so I think it's great to go to the Old Testament, even if it's just that small, you know, Numbers 10, just a short, you know, little thing, and you go, hmm, okay, it sort of triggers something, right? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, because we have a second book, uh, The Pre-Trib Rapture Defended, and um, I, I, I got about three-quarters of the way through it about 15 years ago, and I never really finished it, so I'm, I'm, I, it's on the website, but I'm, I'm putting more there. That's one of the points we... We mentioned there, uh, trumpets are used in Scripture to basically to assemble people, to call them together, to assemble mm-hmm. them, kind of what it's going to be here, or, or to break camp and, and then leave. And that's another way tr- trumpets are, are uh, you know, uh, used. So it's interesting how they're used in Scripture. But again, the point is, which we all know, when we hear a trumpet blast, it gets our attention. And this is an attention getter to whoever whoever hears it. Yeah. And once we hear it, it's the in the twinkling of an eye. It's, it's over real mm-hmm. quick. Um, oh, boom. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a break here pretty soon, and I, I just want to let everyone know, in fact, just in a few seconds. Um, we're talking to Don Stewart today. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking about 14 truths about the rapture uh, that we can get from three different passages, and I'll just tell people here what those passages are. John 14, <clears throat> 1 to 3, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. So again, we're talking to Don Stewart. We made it through the first seven, and we will be back uh, in two minutes. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Uh, We are speaking with Don Stewart today. And uh, the subject is the rapture of the church. And there are three uh, scriptures, uh, passages that uh, contain 14 truths about the rapture. And again, those are John 14, 1 to 3, if you're writing it down. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. And uh, we've covered in the first part that the Lord does not want us to be uninformed of these truths about the rapture. So that's uh, that's a good enough reason to cover all these things. And uh, we are going to, we covered the first seven, so we're halfway there. And in this half, we're going to cover um, eight through 14. Don, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, number eight, those who have died in Christ will be raised with new bodies. Tell us about those new bodies that we all are longing for. Yeah, yeah. The older we get, the more we Right. Some days more than others. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The sequence continues. Okay. He, he leaves heaven with a cry, shout, command, the trumpet blast. And then the first thing that happens, we're told this in First Thessalonians 4.16, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, those who have already died are in the presence of the Lord as perfect or perfected spirits. They have not yet received their glorified body. And I've written a whole book on the subject uh, called What Happens One Second After We Die. I've got a five-book series on the afterlife. And, we, and in fact, this funny, when I used to do the radio, for, I did it for years and years, calling questions, this and that. This was the most often asked question I got. What's going to happen right after we die, one second after we die? So I wrote a whole book with that title. And basically, what it, what's going to happen is those who are in the presence of the Lord, now they're conscious, they're doing great, but they have, they're in, it's an incomplete state. 
because they haven't been rewarded yet. They haven't been received their, you know, glorified body yet. And so this is what's going to happen first. So they, the, you know, God will put Humpty Dumpty together, whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, needs to be done to join the bodies that they had before with their spirits. Um, it, it's going to take place. Now, what we want to emphasize here, they're going to get a new body, but the body is, is going to be a, glor- a perfect body. There's going to be some continuity with this body, but it's going to be totally different. It's something we can't even begin to comprehend, and that's a perfect body, you know, perfect in every, every way, shape, and form. And so that's going to happen first. Incorruptible, immortal bodies, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 52. He says that. He says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. And this is where he says, listen, I tell you, the mysterion, the mystery. We shall not all sleep in death, but we will all be changed. In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So in Christ is a technical term here uh, for those who have believed in Jesus Christ during this age. Start the day of Pentecost, and it ends with the uh, rapture of the church. I had talked about this the other day, you know, when I did my video on this, when I went through these 14 points, and someone in the comments section said, uh, because the Old Testament saints aren't raised until the second coming of Christ. It seems pretty, pretty clear on that. I've written on that uh, my book, Resurrection and Judgment, the third in this series. So not everyone is raised at this time. It's just the dead in Christ. And someone asks, well, why? Did, why? Well, because God, that's what God did. It. I mean, that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times he does things, Mary. He doesn't tell us why, but it seems the dead in Christ is a technical term. They'll be raised at this time. Uh, when he returns the second time, seven years later, everyone will be raised that's believed in him. So anyway, the order of events involves the dead believers in Christ rising first. They will not miss out on this glorious event. So when this was read for the first time to the people of Thessalonica, there are about AD 50 in the first century, I'm sure they rejoice because their loved ones who had gone to be with the Lord will be raised first. Mm, and we will know one another, correct? Yeah, oh yes, mm-hmm. we'll be known. I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I, I don't know if you heard the story. G. Campbell Morgan, one of the greatest preachers of all time, was once asked by a woman after a service, "Will we know our loved ones in heaven?" And I love his answer. He says, "Ma'am, I don't expect to be a bigger fool in heaven than I am here on the earth, and I know who my loved ones here are here on the earth." So I, I like that answer. <laughs> well, that's encouraging too, because um, you know all yeah. those that have gone oh, yeah. before us, and we miss them. Obviously, we were oh, we yeah. were never meant to be separated from one another in death. That was not no. God's original plan. But here we are. We have a death because uh, sin is the mm. default, right? And so we have death separates yeah. us. And, yeah. What I don't know how people even get up in the morning without Jesus, let alone how they grieve, not knowing if they'll yeah. see one another. Or they'll you say, know, if, if, if I could tell you a quick story sure. here. Uh, when I was in, in Bible college in an English class, uh, of all places, we started discussing the issue of death. I was just 21 years of age, a new Christian, and there was a guy that, that caught our attention where you could hear a pin drop. He was one of these older guys. Now he's like 27, and we're all like 21 and he was a medic in Vietnam, and he said, i got to tell you something. If nothing else would ever convince me that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, is watching people who are Christians die and mm. watching who are non-Christians die, mm. because I had them both in my arms. They were all in pain, mm. but the Christians were all in peace, talked about going home. The unbelievers would shout, scream, curse. 
And he said it, the distinction was so clear, wow. he said. And I had many times this happened, and it happened at the same time. It was an amazing testimony he had. But you're right. How can you get up? What can you look forward to if you don't know Christ? Right. And, uh, and especially at the end of your life, you know, Mary, again, as an aside, when people get to the place, you know, I almost died twice in the last couple of years. Twice I should have been there. I had one foot in the grave, the other on the banana peel twice. But God <laughs> still got me here. But the point is, when you when you when you know you're going to go or, or think you're going to go, boy, you're going to go one or two directions. You're going to try and turn to the Lord, or you're going to turn way away from Him. But you're not going to be some neutral person. Mm-hmm. And so, this is an important point here that the dead in Christ, those who have trusted Christ, will be uh, given their body. Mm-hmm. And then some people ask too. Well, you know, what about people at the bottom of the sea who you know were eaten by sharks, or people who you know? Well, we all go to dust. I mean, we you know, one way or another, we all go to dust. And God knows where our molecules are, right? We can. Comfort oh, I one the, another. I got, the, I got the best answer to that. What I did a thing years and years ago at Calvary Chapel in Ramona here in sunny Southern California. I talked about this. He's going to put us all together. And um, some young man came up afterwards. He said, you know, to answer your question uh, about, you know, how is he going to put everything together? He says, doesn't, accept, doesn't the Bible say somewhere he collects all our tears in a bottle? Mm. I said, yeah. He said, well, if he's got our tears, he's got our DNA, right? Yeah. I thought, I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah, and so I've used that uh, hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, he'll put Humpty Dumpty back together, no matter where we're at or how how difficult it is. Yeah, what an incredible thing to think about. All right, we got to keep moving here. Number nine: the living believers will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So, what's going to happen? Those are alive. Those who will not, <clears throat> excuse me, not see death. What happens then? Yeah, again, First Thessalonians four seventeen. This is where we get the English word rapture. It's from the word caught up here. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the translation of the Greek word harpazo. comes by way of the Latin repere. It's used as a verb, means to be caught up. And so the next thing that happens after the dead in Christ rise, there'll be a generation of Christians who will never die. Mm-hmm. Millions of believers in Christ will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So that's the next thing in line, number nine. Yes, um, that will just be amazing. I can't imagine. My my mind immediately goes to what what goes on on the earth. Will I mean there yeah. aren't a lot of believers necessarily by population, but what kind of chaos? I mean, have you thought about what kind of chaos we're looking at oh, financially, yeah. or what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it, it's it, it's even mind boggling to think about. One second we're going to get to that, and a blink of an eye, we're here, then we're gone, and. Uh, but you know what's interesting? Second Thessalonians says the uh, uh, the people that are left on the earth that rejoice and are righteous, they'll believe a lie. There'll be some type of mm-hmm. lie that's told them that people will you'll swallow because they don't want to believe in Jesus. Now, many people will, but others say, well, what was it? Aliens, you know, come and took mm-hmm. us away. Right. Or evolution hit, hit this verse where all the Neanderthals are taken away, you know, or whatever it might be. Yeah, they'll come up with something. And you got, you know, people are foolish enough to believe it because they don't want to believe in the Lord. But, yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's not an event. Let's put it this way. You want to be around as a spectator and see everybody disappear. You want to be part of the disappearing act. Yeah. And if you believed in Jesus and you're alive at that time, you will be. Yeah. 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 And, and also, Revelation talks about an angel flying through the earth giving the everlasting gospel. So, yeah. you know, people talk about, well, we have to get the gospel out to every tribe and tongue and nation. And, of course, that is our, our goal as believers. But there's also, because God is a God of 
chances and opportunities. There's also going to be that angel to every tribe, tongue, and nation, those who dwell on the earth. So God is merciful. He always gives chances, but it'll be a lot harder then, right? It'll be much harder to... Uh Much, much harder. Many people will be put to death for their their conversion to Christ, and it'll be much, much harder. Uh, Someone says, I'll wait till after the rapture Mm. comes before (laughs) I believe in Jesus. And uh, my old pastor used to say, well, look, if you can't live for him now, what makes you think you can die for him sometime right. in the future? You know, so uh, right. now is the day of salvation. Right. And, uh, yeah, and so the, the everlasting gospel, Revelation fourteen six, will be preached to all nations, all people, in every language, so there'll be nobody ignorant when that time comes. Oh, praise God. And it will be a death sentence if someone gets saved because the Bible talks about taking oh, yeah. the mark, uh, buying and selling. Mm-hmm. And we're the only generation who's ever seen that potential right now to, to say, no, we're cutting you off because... You don't, you know, you don't fall in line with, uh, it could yep. be just global warming. It could be any number of things that people oh, yeah. refuse to fall in line with. And then I, I presume then that these believers know the danger of the mark. They will know all that, correct? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no one will be ignorant. It'll be very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, you take the mark, you're t- it's like eternal insecurity. You're forever apart from the Lord because it's, it's basically worshiping the devil, worshiping the mm-hmm. final antichrist. And rejecting Jesus Christ because that's that's the whole idea, you know. And but people say, "Well, I've got to if I, if I want to still live and be alive." Well, there's things worse than dying, and mm-hmm. this is worse than dying by taking this mark of the yeah, beast. Yeah. Well, if anybody's listening and they think that they have all the time in the world, um, I can assure them they do not, and so they definitely don't want to be trying to serve the Lord or even be alive at that time. It'd be the worst time that the earth has ever seen, uh-huh. according to Scripture. Oh, yeah. So, All right, let's go to number 10. Living believers will receive new bodies at that time. Um, uh, they'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, so there's one thing, and they will receive new bodies. Tell us what Paul says about that in Corinthians. Yeah, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-two to 54. It'll happen in a moment, the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. Uh, and he says, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Uh, we who are living will be transformed. Our dying bodies must be transformed to bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies transformed to immortal bodies. Then our, when our dying bodies have been transformed to bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. And so the point is, when we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, that's the rapture, then we're going to have something else happen. There's a second event, and that's where we're transformed. Uh, sometimes it's called the translation of the church, meaning we're t- translated from this uh, mortal body to an immortal body. So like the believing dead, the living believers will get a new body at the time. It's going to be immortal and incorruptible, Same, have some sort of continuity with this body. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect body, but it's not a resurrected body because uh, we didn't die, but it's the same body those who have died will receive too at that particular time because we won't, that one generation will not experience physical death. So raptures and, you know, basically you're caught up and then you're changed. Yeah. In the, in the 11 one-hundredths of a second, isn't that the conventional wisdom? <laughs> That's what I've heard, the, the, the blink I'm, I'm of an not, eye well, is. It could be. I'm not that good at math, so <laughs> I'll, I'll take somebody, you know. It's just a rumor. Yeah, it's just a rumor. The interesting thing I have found about getting old, and I, other people have said the same, is that you feel the same inside, you feel young, and then you look in the mirror and you say, who are you and what have you done with me? Um, and I think that that's right. Isn't that our spirit doesn't age? Isn't that the general idea that we're experiencing as we're getting older? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm still waiting to grow up and I just turned <laughs> 73. So I'm, you know, I'm, uh, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's amazing. Like, you know, you're, you're, you know, like you said, God has given us, uh, 
this exciting heart, exciting to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know what's exciting about it, Mary, now? Because we know the times in which we're living. We know where we're going. In fact, like I, I mentioned earlier, there's twice I, I, sh- I would have died, almost should have, in the last couple of years. Each time, I didn't have a fear for one second, because mm. I knew where I was going. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing that a Christian can have, because they trust Christ. There's that confidence. We will be with Him. Yeah, yeah. just a new address, right? And a new body. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, I, totally new body. and our mm-hmm. bodies don't cooperate like we think they should. We're used to mowing the <laughs> lawn with ease, right, or shoveling snow up here in the Great White North, and then all of a sudden your body yeah. says, "No, no, 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 we're not going to do that today." And uh, no. so, it, it's you know, a- <laughs> I, yeah, I, I learned that. I, I when I was younger, I used to play tennis all the time, mm. and then when I got a little bit older, there's certain ones I couldn't run down. Like I was able to run them down before that. Hmm, something's going on yeah. here. Yeah. and then the letters on the page kept getting smaller and smaller oh, as right. I try to read. Right. You know, I thought, what? yeah, and so you're, you know, and that's, that's uh, getting old as part of, you know, part of life, and, you know, you accept that. Yes. And, yeah, but that's why we need a new body. Yep, yep, and what a blessing it is when God gives us length of days, and, and hopefully yep. we're using them uh, for his glory and, and to further the gospel and for not yep. uh, not for ourselves. And so, you know, if we're still here, it's because we're supposed to be. That's how I look at all that. So um, right. Uh, right. number 11, this will all happen yeah. in the blink of an eye instantly. We will suddenly yep. be gone. Um, again, we talked a little bit about what unbelievers will see. We have no idea. But I've, I've speculated often that, you know, we have stuff. We have homes. We have mortgages. We have uh, bank accounts. And, and there will be some kind of ID starting or being required so that people can um, access their money. I think there will be a certain amount of chaos, at least. Well, there'll be a a lot of chaos. And interesting about this, like we talked about, now everybody listening, you just blink your eye, that's it. Just Mm -hmm. don't close your eyes if you're driving and listening to this, but blink your eye, and that's how quick it's going to be. In a second, in fact, from the NCV, the New Century Version, says it'll only take a second as quickly as an eye blinks. They should have said it should only take a millisecond, probably. Mm-hmm. But the trumpet will sound, those who have died will be raised forever, will all be changed. Okay, so it's going to be an instantaneous change. Now, what's also interesting, we want to stress when this event takes place, we have no information whatsoever about what unbelievers will see. Well, I mean, because uh, it's going to take place instantaneously. Uh, the best way of looking at it, it seems they'll just see us gone. We're here with one second gone the next. Uh, we don't know if our clothes will be left behind, but it's not going to be one of these things like Jesus ascending into heaven slowly, you know, at his ascension, like in Acts chapter 1, where they watched him go up. Uh, as best we can tell, you know, we're here one second, we're a millisecond, we're gone the next, and what happened to us? And that's basically, uh, you know, they're just going to see, the, 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 the fact they won't see, they'll just note the bodies have disappeared, because uh, and, and that's the best we can do. we got to be careful trying to, say more here than what the Bible right. has to say. Right. And some people try and do that. They, in fact, it's funny, again, when I talked about it, someone says, well, so-and-so's got to got a talk on this, or what the unbelievers are going to see. Well, I'm sorry, the Bible doesn't give a talk on that. So we're not going to go any further <laughs> than what the Bible says. Yeah, it that's, doesn't tell yeah that's just plain wise. Um, let me ask you about children, uh, you know, infants, yeah. babies in the womb. People ask those sorts of questions all the time. Do you have a perspective oh, yeah. on that? Yeah, definitely. First Corinthians 7, 5, I think it's about verse 15. It talks about a believing parent, you know, sacrifice, sets apart their family. Let's put it this way, and, and this is hopefully will be a comfort to people out there. Mm-hmm. This is called the blessed hope, mm. the blessed hope. If you have a child that's not of age or, let's say, you know, a baby or a young child, 
uh, they're going to go with you. There's no way God's going to have the believers taken and left behind a bunch of children or kids sitting in the cribs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be much of a blessed hope for that, would it? So uh, uh, that's why, in some sense, the parents sanctify the children mm-hmm. that are still left at that time. Now, that's something we derive from reading the Scripture, and that doesn't say that specifically, but again, that seemed to be the thrust of what's going to take place when the uh, when the rapture of the church comes. What about unbelievers' children? Because they're in, they're innocent. I, I guess I would start there. Yeah, they're but, innocent. Yeah, but nothing's nothing is said about them. Okay. Just the children. Now, now, but people need to understand something. Like children, yeah, they they are, and uh, if they die, be, and I've got a whole section on this in a book on heaven on an appendix about the age of accountability. Uh, if a child dies before they know the difference between right and wrong, I believe very strongly they become, they come in the presence of the Lord. Uh, there's about nine different instances. We, we cite passages in scripture that, that basically teach something like that. And so whether they'll be caught up in the rapture of the church, there's no guarantee there for them. But what we do know, if they never make it old enough uh, to uh, make a decision Mm-hmm. Uh, the scripture is pretty. I think it's pretty clear that okay. the Lord, you know, loves the little children, and he's not. He's, in other words, he's not going to condemn someone for not doing what they, by definition, would not be able to do. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. They really haven't got to that place. But the good news is that's for the Almighty to, you know, mm-hmm. to figure out. We don't have to worry about doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that answer. Um, Let's go to number 12 here. We're winding down. We have sure. about six minutes left. Uh, number 12, all of the believers in Christ, living and dead, will be gathered together. Uh, the church yeah. the, will be complete. The bride will be complete. The fullness of the Gentiles, that last Gentile, whoever they are, will have yep. surrendered to Jesus, right? Uh, any thoughts more on that, the, the totality yeah. of the church? Two, two things, yeah. Everybody will be a great reunion that will all be gathered together at that particular time. The body of Christ is complete. Uh, again, my pastor, in the, I remember back in the 1970s, he used to say that somewhere, someplace <laughs> on the earth, maybe alive today, maybe not, but if they are alive, when that person comes to faith in Christ, that the body of Christ is complete, then, you know, the dead in Christ will rise and the rapture of the church will take place. And he used to say, so if you're here tonight and that's you, <laughs> will you please believe? Get it so, together. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah get, but anyway, the body of Christ, the Lord knows who it is, when it will happen. But yeah, when... He determines the body of Christ complete. All believers, living and dead, will be gathered together. That's number 12. There'll be a, a great reunion there. Well, well yeah, that, that, this will be what a glorious day for so on mm. so many levels. Just a fantastic. Yep. Um, number 13, these believers will forever be with the Lord. Now we're going into eternity, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and this is, this, Mary, this is really the great promise, and we need to think about this. The living believers, those who have died and are raised from the dead, will be forever with the Lord. And it says, we're going to meet the Lord in the air, the living believers, and so shall we always be mm. with the Lord. Where's heaven? It's wherever Jesus is. That's where we want to be, and that's where we're going to spend eternity. So it's going to be forever now. No separation. The word death has the idea in Scripture of separation. Physical death, the body and the spirit separate. Eternal death is when people are separated eternally from the Lord. But there's no more separation, no more death in that sense, because we're eternally forever with the Lord. The great truth of the rapture of the church, where he is, we will be. 
Awesome. And then there's also other things that, that the listener can study for themselves, the millennium. That's a whole other mm-hmm. podcast. And um, the new heavens and the new earth, um, uh, eternity forever and ever. What a glorious future we have. It makes the things of earth grow strangely dim, right? Because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. what, you know, a hundred years from now, Don, what's going to matter at all that you're thinking about today? It's who's in heaven with you. That's what's going to matter a hundred years from now. And a hundred yep. years isn't much. So these, this, I love this, Don. This is what a great subject. It gives us heavenly perspective and eternal perspective. Right. Uh, and that is glorious. And, uh, as we wind down here, number 14. How are these truths a comfort for believers? I think we've already gotten there, but what are your personal thoughts on on the comfort aspect of this? Well, it, when we put them all together, Paul says comfort one another with these words or encourage one another with these words in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. This is why we study the subject, Barry. This is why we look into it, because it's a comfort, because we know, number one, when we die, we will be with the Lord. Number two, if we're alive when he comes, we'll be changed. Number three... Uh, the, we'll see our loved ones there with the Lord, and we'll be forever with them and with the Lord. So all that is a comfort, because it is, this is what is able to get us through life, to get us through every day, that there's something beyond this life. After death, there is a death destination. It is not a period or full stop. Death mm-hmm. is, leads mm-hmm. us to something else. And where does it lead us to? Well, we're told this right here. So this is a comfort and encouragement. That's why we can walk around. Christians can be confident. That's why the unbelievers couldn't understand why the early Christians went to their death rejoicing and praising God, because they knew where they're going to be, you know. And so that's why this whole subject we study, it: second coming of Christ, the rapture of the church, the kingdom of God coming to earth in the presence of the king, it's a subject that we rejoice about and we're comforted from mm-hmm. because it what really is what keeps us going. Well, and there's rejoicing in heaven with the death of his saints. Can you imagine the rejoicing at the rapture <laughs> when everyone yep. is together? I mean, that that yep. I, I got to tell yep. you, that gives me goosebumps. And it is our blessed mm-hmm. hope. And and those that don't teach the pre-trib rapture are taking that blessed hope away from the church. Because I'm looking here at um, um, for Thessalonians, for God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this important, Don? Because uh, there's a period yep. of wrath coming on the earth, but Jesus took our wrath, right? Why Why is this yep. a really big verse? Yeah, it's a very important verse, because that's one of the points. First Thessalonians 1.10, we're looking forward to his coming from heaven, uh, you know, to rescue us, and to rescue us from the wrath that is to come. You're right. We talk about that in the book. We give the seven different views that people hold of the rapture, and I hold, like you, the pre-trib view. I think it's the only one that can really answer all the questions we we give a, a you know we do the best we can to give the best presentation of the other ones but i think they all fail short because you're right because this is the blessed hope is looking for christ if if you believe any of the other views you're not looking for christ you're looking for the antichrist right and that's not what i'm looking for right that's never mentioned jesus never says look for the antichrist he says to look for yeah. him and nope. and be watching yep. comes as a thief in the night Oh, yep. boy, Don Stewart, what an incredible, uh, what an incredible, uh, covering of this wonderful, important topic. Um, you know, it's coming soon, and I'm just so grateful you could be with us today. Uh, again, uh, educatingourworld.com. And, uh, again, those verses we looked at today, John 14, 1 to 3, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 50 to 58. Thank you, good. Thank you, Don. We hope to do this again sometime, and, and there's always Anytime. plenty to cover. Great. Thank you so much. God bless you. 
All right, next week, David will be back with us. He'll be doing a headline program on Monday, and he and I are going to do more headlines on Tuesday. Future guests include Kevin Minsky, Scott Lively, Todd Nettleton, um, uh, John Haller, many, many more. We hope that you will join us and that you were edified and built up today. This is Mary Danielson. Keep speaking the truth about things that matter.